Welcome back to our podcast, Guidepost in Motion. My name is Julie Myers-Wood, and I'm the CEO of Guidepost Solutions. Today, we're continuing our series, The Black Family, in honor of Black History Month. It's an honor to welcome back my colleague, Asha Mildrow, to continue her story on representation, identity, and diversity which is the theme of Black History Month as chosen by the Association of the Study of African-American Life and History. Asha is a Senior Managing Director and Deputy General Counsel at Guidepost. She's also a former Assistant United States Attorney or Federal Prosecutor in the Central District of California. She was a partner at the boutique law firm Will Lincoln, and she also practiced law at Latham and Watkins. Here at Guidepost, Asha directs an array of compliance, monitoring, and investigative matters, both for corporations and individuals. Some of the most important matters that Asha is working on right now includes leading the resident engagement team for the federal monitorship of the New York City Housing Authority, also known as NYCHA. This engagement has a special meaning for Asha since she and her parents grew up in NYCHA housing and she still has family living there today. Welcome back, Asha. Thank you, Julie. Asha, in, in our last episode, you shared your family's beginnings and the numerous struggles your great-grandparents and, and grandparents faced. Some of these stories were horrific and heartbreaking. Yet, despite their struggles, you all persisted. And here you are, a successful woman with a beautiful daughter who is also on the path to being very successful. Um, Asha, tell us a little more about your parents and how you got to where you are today. Well, I owe all of my success to my parents who stress the importance of getting a good education. They also both became early school desegregators, a role that was thrust upon them, not one that they sought out or enjoyed. My dad was born in 1950, so he was born 15 years before the Civil Rights Act and four years before school desegregation and Brown the Board of Education. So often we think of these things as all being so long ago, but my parents were both born before these laws even passed. So my dad tells a story. Like me, he left his uh, fancy elite private high school too. For ninth grade, he was sent to um, a special school for boys that later merged into another elite uh, Bronx prep school in New York City. Um, but back then, it was pretty much all white boys. It was around 1965, 1966, and he was just two, one of two black boys in his grade. He enjoyed the sports and rigorous academics, and he was a superstar on the track team and the basketball team. But personally, he felt othered, invisible. He only had one friend, a Jewish boy from the Bronx, and he just hated it socially. So senior year, he transferred back to a public school. And he was really excited about English class and submitted a paper he was really proud of, and he knew he would get an A. but Similar to what happened to me, uh, the teacher called him in with the principal and accused him of cheating. He was told he must have plagiarized it because it was too good. Never mind that he had three years at his, you know, fancy prep school and was a brilliant writer. 
In their eyes, he was incapable of having an articulate voice. Defeated, he turned to run in the streets. A generation before him, my dad's uncle, Minlick Hanley, had his brilliance similarly snuffed. Uncle Minlick was a math whiz. He had been accepted to NYU, but when he arrived, they asked him what he was doing there. They had assumed by his name that he was Irish. He showed up with his acceptance letter in hand, but they told him they had, quote, already filled their Negro quota and turned him away. Defeated, he too turned to the streets. Fortunately for my dad, he was placed in some sort of diversion program for troubled yet talented youth and sent to SUNY Binghamton for college. And fortunately for me, he met my mom during their freshman orientation. So if your dad hadn't made the decision to leave his high school under, you know, obviously such terrible circumstances, but um, if he hadn't made that decision and then hadn't been put in the SUNY Binghamton program, he might not have met your mother. I know, it's so true. Um, while my parents were in college on a whim, um, you know, I, I say I owe my brilliance to both of them because they are both just so intelligent. Um, and unfortunately, you know, due to life circumstances, really just didn't have a chance to fulfill their career ambitions. But um, they tell the story about noticing a sign for the Mensa Society. And so they decided to take the test and they both qualified. My mom had dreamed of being a doctor, but they had to drop out of school to get jobs immediately when my mom got pregnant with me junior year. Uh, so then there was me, I was born in 1975 and I went home to my grandmother's apartment at a NYCHA development, the Lincoln. Asha, what was it like living in NYCHA housing in the late 70s, 80s and 90s? You know, it was it was interesting. Um, it had its dangers. I remember one of the first lessons, life lessons that I learned was, you know, if you hear bullets when you go outside, if you hear shooting, get down, just lay on the ground. You know, you learn that lesson before you even learned your ABCs, how to stay safe because of the violence. Uh, but there was also a lot of, um, you know, in the 80s, there was a lot of drugs. That was the height of the crack epidemic. I remember holding my grandma's hand and counting the different colored vials of crack tops I would see. They would be red tops, yellow, no, red, blue. Um, but I also remember having fun. You know, I, my uh, uncle and aunt were married in my grandma's NYCHA living room. There were many kids and grandkids that were tucked into bed and we played games. My family uh, was really into playing chess and Scrabble. So before all the big holiday meals, there was usually a, a raucous game of Scrabble going on. Um, and my grandmother was just one of the best cooks. So for a holiday meal, she pulled out her you know, folding table and made room for all of us and there were uh, turkey and mac and cheese and collard greens and a whole ham and a big wonderful spread. So we, we had a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, there was also just heartache. Um, 
one night and I was only about four or five. Um, my grandpa Eddie had left my grandma's house and gone up to the Bronx in his car. And I guess, you know, another car sideswiped into him or he sideswiped that car. And, you know, the guy jumped out, they exchanged words. My grandpa was renowned for his ability to string together some expletives. Um, and the guy said, okay, wait right here. I'm gonna, you know, go get my paperwork and come right back. And my grandpa stood there, arms folded on the car. And the guy came back with a gun and shot him in the head multiple times. And the police contacted my grandmother and uh, they thought maybe it was her oldest son who had the same name. And my uncle, um, William Esten, we called him Uncle Ade. He had changed his name to an African name. He went to identify the body and then saw his dad dead. And um, it was hard, you know, it was hard on our family. It was hard on him. And then you, he was also uh, targeted, we suspect, for murder. They made it look like a suicide. We don't know. But it was the anniversary of my grandfather's murder. He, too, um, died. So we also know that, you know, the phone used to be... Uh, tapped and there were there were people looking at him as as they were a lot of black men in the 70s uh who were known for being instigators for uh, change so it was a hard time for our family and he left behind five children so my cousins we all still live with that pain and i'm so sorry that that you've had to go through all of this Tell me a little bit about your mom. What what did she do? My mom, it's it's funny because she um, had wanted to be a doctor, but she was always like medically adjacent. So she worked as a secretary for many years at hospitals and um, at universities and their biology departments, et cetera. But um, I remember when we moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 1986, and my mom was looking for a new job. And on the phone, she, uh, you know, would share her resume and qualifications, and they would all be really excited to meet her. But then when she would show up in person for the job, and they saw that she was Black, suddenly the job was already filled. So, you know, I, I knew that it pained when we moved to Atlanta. I had a similar experience. I had already tested into gifted programs in New York City. I was staying with my grandmother and she would take me to East Harlem where I attended a gifted program that I had to test in, into. But when we moved to Atlanta and my mom had all of my New York school records, they said, well, you know, she has to take the test here. So fine, I took the test again. And then they didn't believe that I had those scores. They made me take the test again. And again, I ended up taking the test three times to uh, test into the gifted program in Atlanta uh, because they just couldn't believe that a little black girl could have those types of scores. 
I can't believe what you've had to go through, even in the, the very recent past, um, and what you've had to overcome. Um, Asha really starting, you know, being a NYCHA baby, um, to going to Yale, Columbia Law School, to becoming an assistant U.S. attorney, which is a very prestigious uh, job, then a successful law, um, law partner. And then we were able to woo you over to Guidepost, where you're leading, I think, one of um, the most important parts of a key engagement for us, and that's uh, the public engagement portion for NYCHA. I'm sure your family is um, beyond proud of all that you've accomplished. Um, and just like your grandparents encouraged your parents to get an education, they've encouraged you. I've also seen um, how you have encouraged and supported your daughter, who is very bright. Um, tell us a little bit about her and how you are encouraging her as she grows. Yeah, thank you for that, Julie. My daughter is just, you know, the pride, uh, just like any parent, pride of my life. Um, and she too, it was really clear that she was exceptionally brilliant from the time she came into this world. So we, uh, like my mother did for me, just, you know, up and finding the best programs and the best schools and the best school districts and how to get me into gifted programs and all of those things. I've been trying to do the same for my daughter. So Right now, she uh, goes to a school that Elon Musk started on the SpaceX campus, and she chooses applying to many of these elite uh, private schools in uh, the city here. But I'm hoping that she'll have an experience that's different from mine. That hopefully we've uh, moved past those experiences. But you know, a lot of these black at name the fancy schools, you know, so many of these issues are still so pervasive. And I know even all of the many things that I've um, I've done, I still, you know, get those micro and macro aggressions every day. I worry about my cousins who are, and siblings who are, you know, large black men, you know, being out in the world and being perceived as menacing, even though they're hardworking. I worry about you know, I've gotten followed around stores as, you know, in recent, recent as last year. So, you know, a lot of these issues are still so pervasive, but I'm hoping that for my daughter, um, you know, she's so bright that she'll have the opportunities to really transcend um, all of her dreams. I joke that, you know, Earth isn't big enough for her. She's uh, eyeing Mars. <laughs> well, it would be amazing to have her be the first, uh, um, the, the first human on Mars, right? As um, I, I know we are going to hear tremendous things about her um, as she grows up and what a wonderful role model she has in you and, and your whole family for perseverance um, and uh, hard work and commitment um, to the causes that you believe in. Thank you so much, Asha for coming on today and for sharing with us really these these personal stories. Um, you did this in a smaller group and it was so meaningful to us that we really wanted to ha allow a wider audience to hear um, about your family um, and what, what you've accomplished and the Black family as a celebration of Black History Month. Thank you so much to our listening audience for tuning in today um, for this very special episode of Guidepost in Motion. And um, keep, keep listening, keep looking. There'll be another podcast out there soon. Thank you.